Welcome to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Spoken Gospel is a nonprofit dedicated to the idea that every part of the Bible, Old Testament and New, is about Jesus. And this podcast is our experiment to publicly test that belief. Every episode, hosts David Bowden and Seth Stewart work through a biblical text to see how it helps us see and savor Jesus. Let's jump in. Well, welcome everyone to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. We hope you're doing well. Seth is getting over the sniffles. Yes. How are you feeling, man? I sniffly. Sniffly. But um, hopefully I will um, make it through the podcast without sneezing and coughing. <laughs> and I'm excited to talk about I'm sure, loss. I'm sure we will all forgive you for sniffles and coughs. I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite things that's happened recently is that uh, my neighbor kids... The neighborhood kids have started teaching my kids swear words. Oh no, bad words! <laughs> oh, no. I told you about this yet? Yeah, you texted me about it. <laughs> and so Sunny, our our oldest, comes home and she's like, "Yeah, I learned the F word oh, and gosh. the A word." Like we want to just like make sure. So like, well, what is the A word, Sunny? And she, because <clears throat> you know, like kids, like you know, like the F word could be fart. Like nobody, yeah, like, no nobody knows. knows. Like you just want to make sure. She's like, well, the A word, I don't remember it, but it sounded like queso. Queso. <laughs> and it took me a long time to figure out which, which word. Yeah. That's what it could be. Really but it funny. was pretty it was probably my favorite part of like the other day. That's a good um, that's a good little check in. I like yeah, that. A, yeah. Life update. Life update from Stuart. Oh my House. goodness. Well, swear that's words in awesome. queso. Yeah, swear words in queso. So queso, yes. Kids. Queso kids. So yeah, we're in um Deuteronomy twenty two and we're gonna go through twenty five. And I feel like this is the section of Deuteronomy, if you get to this point, and then you read the subheading in your Bible, you know? <laughs> yeah, and it, various it, laws. Various <laughs> laws or miscellaneous <laughs> laws. And you're like, crap. Really? Like, I just made it through all of this stuff. I feel like I had some structure. I had some handholds. And then the bottom yeah. drops out. And we're just going to talk about a bunch of random stuff for four chapters. Are you kidding yeah. me? Like You got laws about donkeys next to laws about cross-dressing next to laws about bird's nest next to laws about railings on your house. Yeah. Like, it just doesn't <laughs> seem to be so, all that cohesive. So to remind people um, of kind of how Deuteronomy has been structured so far, after Moses' opening speech to the people of Israel, let's remember they're on the bank of the Jordan, they're about to enter the promised land, Moses is giving this speech as God inspires them to give it, and he starts basically unpacking the Ten Commandments, um, kind of like taking the, the, the laws one at a time, like, you know, about the Sabbath day, and we get a whole bunch of laws about Sabbath rest and the, the sabbatical year, and then what we're doing is we just are finishing off the the uh, commands about thou shalt not murder, and we've kind of seen those. And so yep. what, what some people think, as he's gone through and is extrapolating these uh, Ten Commandments, that 22... 1 through 13 is still wrapping up the thou shalt not murder commands so which oh, we which we just were doing about the laws about the manslayer so you know it's just laws about life so it's like oh okay yeah yeah and, a donkey and so, in a pit might die yeah a donkey a in a pit might die exactly right don't 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 kill a bird and its mom at the same time mm-hmm. um it doesn't work perfectly with this section right. so like i feel like it breaks a little bit and then so they yeah, also like say a parapet yeah. like you could say that prevents deaths yep but well like, that's what yeah that's what it, it's for yeah. so they don't fall off yeah right exactly and so then not yeah. wear cloth of wool and linen mixed yeah together. that, that one's like. kind of like uh, i don't know and so then they say that after murder then the command after that is thou shalt not commit adultery and okay. what do we get right after that in in verse 13 laws about sexual morality and like sense. and so it's like oh it's kind of makes sense but then the bottom drops out after that and it turns the next into one should be what after that should not then it's um that should not steal yeah then it's stealing bearing false witness and coveting and so okay. they take those together to say these are community laws how do we treat one another and it's like okay. don't steal from one another don't don't lie to one another and don't covet what each other has it's how do we treat one another how do we live inside of community with one another in terms okay. of each other's possessions in terms of whenever i want to take you to court or in terms of like how do i like feel about my neighbor and things like that and so let's combine all of those and just talk about 
what does Israelite community look like? And so they're called community laws for the last three. that starts three. where? 23? That's, that starts in 23, yeah. So 2315, it says just miscellaneous laws. Yeah. That's what like my, my heading in my Bible says. Yeah, and so I, 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 I'm, I'm inclined to want to believe that because of how clearly Moses mm-hmm. has been working through the Ten Commandments. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I'm also fine with the bottom just dropping out and it just going crazy. So another commentator right. I read said... Okay, so the first option yeah, is like, hey, ahead. Moses is expounding on the Ten Commandments and right. giving more examples of what thou shalt not murder actually means. It doesn't, doesn't just mean don't kill your neighbor. Yep. It means preserve life as you find it in your community. Mm-hmm. Don't commit adultery. It doesn't just mean don't sleep with somebody else that's not your wife. It also means sexual fidelity. It also implies laws about rape. It also implies laws about being deceitful about consensual relationships. Like, mm-hmm. okay, okay, I get that. So that's one one theory. That's right. And 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 regardless of how we feel about this section, that is a pretty agreed upon um, way to view the, the other laws that we've yes. read so far in Deuteronomy that, that Moses is unpacking the Ten Commandments. But another, another commentator I read said that here Moses kind of abandons his systematic discussion of the laws and sets that aside in order to just throw us into this mishmash of random laws. Okay. Um, and he does that, and the reason he gives is to show us the comprehensiveness of God's law, rule, and covenant in all of life, yeah. that that it just it bears on every single part of life, and that's why He wants to mash them around and spin them together to show that God's rule, reign, covenant, uh, commands, requirements, His eye, His gaze, all of that is upon every facet of life. Yeah, interesting. So that's the other kind of view. Do you have a preference on those? I don't. I don't know how much it really matters. I don't know how much it affects my reading of the mm. text. Um, I feel like I I feel like both are kind of helpful. So it's like, uh, yeah, I can see how the the last three of the Ten Commandments about stealing, lying, and coveting are about how to treat one another. And a lot of twenty two to twenty five feels like how to operate inside the community of Israel and how yeah. we treat one another, how we associate with one another as God's people. The other one is really interesting because it kind of embraces the swirly confusingness of yeah. the whiplash I experience mm-hmm. when I read the text. And I'm like, oh, there could be a reason behind that, which is to make me feel like God's rule and reign and commands apply to all of life. So I kind of yeah. like both. I don't know. What I do you think? Like the, the, I kind of like the last one a yeah. little bit. Um, because even if you were to say, okay, these are loosely structured on the Ten Commandments, I feel like even as an ancient Israelite reader, you would read the laws about not wearing women's clothes and then the next law about the birds. Yeah. Like, and like not killing a bird and a baby bird at the same time. Um, which, by the way, it's like we have those laws in our books. Did you know that? What? So, like, you can't, like, like there's all these hunting laws. Like, we're not oh. certain you can't, like, kill, like, uh, like, I've been watching this show called Life Below Zero about people who live in the Alaskan wilderness. Of course you did. But, but there's all these, like, laws about you can't kill mother cows and baby cows during certain seasons mm. because they're an endangered species. But they're also like the primary food for a lot of indigenous people. So there's laws that allow them to hunt bucks, but not cows right. or their, their babies. Yeah. It's like, fascinating. Like, we actually have those same laws in our books. Anyway, the point was like, I think even an ancient Israelite reader would see this like, those don't seem organically connected on the mm-hmm. surface. And mm-hmm. it would require a good bit of like um, digging or thinking to actually try to build a connection to between them so like i think i like the idea like actually the the randomness is a little bit intentional um yeah and i I think because like it also points us forward to what moses wants to tell his people in the book of deuteronomy as a whole it's like Mm. i could give you hundreds of laws um these laws are not enough to run a society like i was even like noticing as i was reading through these laws it doesn't give you every circumstance like what no. about like okay a bird great and his and its eggs and its chicks but what about a moose and right. its offspring right it doesn't actually lay out the punishment for adultery it just says uh purge the evil from your midst like what does that mean like mm-hmm. give me more details there it doesn't define like the cloak that you're supposed to spread out and prove the virginity with like there's all these like gaps in holes within the laws as well that don't explain what's going on so even if like 
the author, Moses, is thinking that this will survive through the generations, he's not even bothering to describe these practices for later generations. He's assuming that they, those, I'm assuming he would know that those practices would one day cease, but the principle would live on. Mm. So I feel like what he ends up doing is like, what you don't need is more laws. What you need is a new heart. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. like he'll say, like you need an, you like you just don't need to be circumcised in your flesh. Your heart needs to be circumcised. So I wonder if one way to read the randomness and like the overarching expansiveness of all these laws is to say like these laws are designed to be frustrating. Mm-hmm. They're designed to not match with each other, so that you would hope for a heart that didn't need them. You would hope for a heart that didn't need to constantly be reminded and have placed on it hundreds of different random laws, but a heart that just obeys because it trusts and loves the Lord. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, it does like make the sense. The chaoticness of the laws actually makes you hope for the new covenant. Like yeah. It makes you hope for a new heart, not right. for more laws. And just to double down on that, like Moses does say that pretty soon after these random laws he, he talks does? about how yes uh, at the end of deuteronomy which we're nearing yes, the end yes, of yes 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 yeah yes, i knew that he talks about how <laughs> we need cir- cir- <laughs> i totally knew that we need <laughs> circumcised hearts and that right. and that and he talks about a time when israel will not be able to fulfill all these things they will be exiled from the land but then god will give them new hearts that can obey the law and will bring them into the land and so i i know that's in moses's brain as right. he's writing this uh, that that he knows as he's crafting this part of the law that Israel won't keep the law and will need new hearts to come back into the land and obey the law. And so maybe what you're saying is as if you could view the laws as a crescendo and it's getting louder and louder and the commands are piling up and piling up and it has order and structure and you're following it along and maybe you start to feel like you're at somewhat of a breaking point and then finally it just starts to swirl around you right. in all these discorded and dissonant different laws smashed obey up against law, each other. Obey this law, obey yeah. this law, birds, Yeah, you're just, clothes, birds. fields, you're just like, yeah, but you're grapes, just like, yeah, like what? <laughs> you're just like, you're like, oh, I don't know what to do. Like, I, yeah. how can I keep up with all this? I just feel like I can't keep up with it all. And you're like, oh, and then you read a few chapters later, I'm going to need a new heart. It makes you long for that heart. Yeah. So that makes sense. I, I'm following. I'm following along yeah. with what you're saying. Yeah. Yes. That's cool. Okay. But um, we do want to lean into this section just because it's it, it might be random and swirly and there might be some kind of um, meta point behind it. Um, we do want to lean into this section and kind of pick it apart a little bit. And so Seth and I kind of put our brains together and we're like, how should we talk about it? Should we go through every single law and talk about what it meant and how it is fulfilled in Christ? I think that's something you should do as a private reader. I think yes. it's a very fun practice. It really can yes. be and very informative and very challenging. Uh, but yeah, instead David of doing talks that, about yeah. scripture being like honey, adult, yeah. he like delights in the law of the Lord, like it's honey to his soul, like... So like we want to encourage you guys to do that in like more than minutia, mm-hmm. um, and we want to try to teach you how to do that by zooming out a little bit. I think that's that's right. Going. Yeah. And so what we did is we took every single law and kind of put them in related categories, and we were like, what are some of the overarching categories that are talked about in these four chapters? Um, and then and, and so what we saw we saw patterns develop. So basically we saw two major categories. There is justice things with how to treat one another and how to provide for the poor. So, and there's four subcategories within justice. So we saw provision for the poor, care for neighbor, social justice, and care for the earth. Yeah. And so that's just like, we can talk a little bit about like, like representative laws for that. Yep. We'll Uh, dive into those. Yeah. But like, yeah, like, like we, I think at one point it is helpful to say, it's like, these are probably somewhat imposed categories. They're not unhelpful. Oh, they are. Nope. But like, we were like, how do we help? How do we help just organize this for our own minds? Yeah. Like if we want, if we're, let's take the chaos for what it is and make it long for Jesus making it in us a new heart. But if we're going to dive deep into laws, let's put some sort of structure on it just to help us. And I think justice is a good way to look at this yeah. first section from yep. 22 to, uh, what did you say? Well, it's all 20... mixed up. No, oh, yeah, 22 to 25. It's all, there's, 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 these things are in all of this. That's the, yeah. it's so jumbled that it's not justice and then purity or right. purity and the justice. It's all mixed around. Got it. And so there's justice uh, is, is one of the overarching categories. And then there's purity. 
Uh, and this is the whole idea about maintaining ritual purity um, or even physical purity or who's allowed in the camp and near God's presence and who's not. And so the, there's three subcategories here like that has to do with like marriage and sex and keeping your bodies pure. There's yeah. ideas of wholeness which are some of the strange laws about like don't pl- don't sow two kinds of seed in your field or don't wear cloth with two different fabrics. Yep. Um, and then there's purity, like um, people born of a forbidden union aren't allowed in the assembly or beware of leprous diseases. It sounds, these are the ones that are like, am I reading Leviticus again? You know, right. is, is kind yeah. of where those kind of stuff. So justice and purity. So those we're going to yep. address those in the next two sections um, of the podcast. But before we do, I, I want us to zoom way back out again, and just because you, you, you barely touched on it there for a second, Seth, and I want to lean into it. Uh, I don't want to jump to the end of Deuteronomy necessarily, but there there is this this sense that I think we get as readers when we read Deuteronomy 22 to 25 with the swirliness and the compounding laws, and yeah. it does make us long for... Um, not not necessarily like that we would be antinomians, you know, that we would Meaning be law- like lawless. Like we, we hate laws. We don't want laws. Yeah. yeah. I just wish there were no rules. Like, right. I just, you know, that's not what this is, what, what we're saying that it should make you long for. What we're saying it should make you long for is a heart that's so good and right that it doesn't need to be told what to do. It just does it. Yeah. And isn't, and that's what Jesus gives us, right? He gives us yes. a heart of the spirit, not a heart of flesh that actually makes us walk in accordance with his character. We would just do these things. We would see something that's missing and return it to our brother. We would know that if I'm going to eat this animal, I shouldn't also eat its mom at the same time because I care about the overall health of the earth and I don't want there to be endangered species. Like we would just do these things because we'd have the character of God embedded in us. And that's what Jesus does. He dies for the sin in us, which is a reigning ruling characteristic. We are slaves to sin. And Jesus dies to free us from that enslavement and makes us slaves yeah. to righteousness. He gives There's us like the, the ability and the new heart to do right for the first time. Yeah. Paul talks about like the law exposing sin. Mm-hmm. Um, and like another way to say that is like the law, when you read all these laws, exposes in us like our propensity, like not so it, much our yeah. like breaking of individual things. Oh, I killed, an, I, I killed a moose's mom. Like, <laughs> like it exposes that in particular, but it also exposes that we all the time want to do things that are not God's way. We want to yep. define good and evil for ourselves. We want to do things contrary to the way that God has designed the universe in the world. What Jesus does is he gives us a heart that w- wants to do those things. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, yeah, that's really good. So I just like, yes, this should, reading these should make you thankful for what Jesus did to kill the body of sin in you and yearn to beg the Spirit to form the image of Christ in you more. Like, and be thankful that, like, when you read these things, you're like, man, who would do these some of these horrible things, right. you know, to the poor and to a, a lost woman in the woods and yeah. to someone who asked for some help with a loan? And, you know, like, who would treat their neighbor like this? And the fact that you're able to ask that question and be like, man, who, who could be that wicked? Right. Let us all go... I am that wicked. I would yeah. have been that wicked, let, let alone to myself, the flow to myself. But now because the Holy Spirit resides in me and has changed my heart, this all seems detestable to me. Of course I wouldn't do this thing. Of right. course, if my brother was hurting or lost something, I would return it to him. That's just duh. But right. that's not duh to a yeah. depraved human mind. That right. is that is something that has to be given to you. And so if you're yeah. saying like duh to some of these laws or are disgusted that they even need to be there in the first place, that's evidence that you've been given a new heart. Yes. Or at the very least, because I can see some of these laws, like the laws about slavery or mm-hmm. laws, laws about rape, like everybody like universally, almost, almost universally would say that those things are wrong. And there should be laws about those things. So one of the other things it proves is like, uh, the Judeo-Christian laws, like Jewish laws, biblical laws, Christian laws, have so permeated society that we like we don't even recognize when they're present. Like, right. part of the reason why these laws are here also is because this wasn't the case for a lot of the surrounding nations at that mm-hmm. time. That's for right. example, like the law about escaped slaves. Mm-hmm. So it says here, it says in Deuteronomy that if the slave escapes, you're not to send it back to its master. Right. A foreign slave leaves the uh, a country where it's being oppressed or treated poorly and escapes to you, you're not supposed to send it back. Yeah. So that was not the case for all the surrounding nations. 
And the reason why we, like, as Americans in the 21st century are so, like, yes, that's right, that shouldn't be there, that shouldn't be the case, is partly because Christianity and Christian influences have so, like, permeated our law structure itself. Does that make sense? Like, I yes. wanted to talk about, like, in a different category than just, like, non-believers also value some of these same things. But I would say it's because God has revealed them in our society as well. Like, because Christianity is actually shaping and changing the way the world thinks about things. Yep, I would agree with that. All right, well, let, uh, let's take our first break and jump into the category of justice laws. Hey, David here. Hope you're enjoying the episode so far. We are only able to make this podcast and all of our other spoken gospel resources available for free because of the generous support of our listeners. If you aren't already, would you please consider signing up to donate just a little every month to help us create our gospel-centered podcasts, devotionals, and videos? If you want to, you can join our mission uh, by heading over to SpokenGospel.com. But if you're driving, like I am when I listen to podcasts, Please wait till you get where you're going to do so. Okay, let's jump back in. Okay, so here we are uh, in all the justice laws. And so as you said before, like, these justice laws are kind of like scattered throughout these three, four chapters of the book of De Deuteronomy. It's not like you're going to see one section on justice and one section on purity. It's like they're kind of scattered throughout it. And so one thing I wanted to make mention of as we dive a little bit deeper into these, um, and before we look at a couple of specific examples, is the fact that like all these laws are like the context in which Jesus like lives his entire life. So we normally talk about Jesus as like the fulfillment of the law. Like he perfectly keeps the law mm -hmm. to glean. Like you know, like he perfectly does that. He perfectly keeps um, the parapet laws. His house always had a parapet. It always <laughs> had a railing, so nobody would like we know about him fulfilling it that way. But I thought it was fascinating as I was reading through this, how many of these laws in Deuteronomy just show up not as the central focus of Jesus's life, but like in the background all the time, right? Mm -hmm. So for example, don't charge interest to your brother. The story of Zacchaeus would not exist if that law wasn't on the books. Like I Zacchaeus see. was charging interest to his natives and part of the reason that's why he was hated and that's why Jesus extends special mercy to him. Um, don't um, oppress the poor and the needy or the hired worker. Jesus literally tells a parable about providing jobs for hired workers and paying them different amounts and why that's grace and why that's not grace. Gleaning laws, like Jesus takes heads of grain and eats them out of the field and pe the Pharisees get onto him for it even though he's doing the right thing. Do, do you remember that one? I do, yeah. I they were getting onto him because it was the Sabbath. It was the but Sabbath. He was yeah, just, he was just ex he was not exploiting. He was using his right under right. the law to glean from, uh, to like walk by a farmer's crop and just grab a head of grain. Like, right. He's allowed to do not, that. That's exactly right. But you're not supposed to grab a basket of grain because yep. that would be stealing, but also like a form of work. And that would be violating the Sabbath. Right. And which I think is fascinating. A lot of these end up being like Sabbath conversations, like the the brother's ox goes astray mm -hmm. and falls into a pit. You're supposed to help him take it out, presumably even on the Sabbath as well. Like the good and the alleviation of suffering of that animal is important, so you should do it. So what does Jesus do? He uses this, that law to mm -hmm. talk about why it's right for him to heal the man who has the withered hand right. on, on the, the Sabbath. Sabbath. Yep. On the Sabbath. He's like, you would pull a donkey out of a pit on the Sabbath. Why can't I heal this human being's hand on the Sabbath? <laughs> That's exactly right. Or yeah. like, don't have two different types of weights. Like, oh, what is yep. Jesus doing in the Temple Mount? You have these people buying and selling and cheating people out of money. So Jesus mm -hmm. goes to the temple and like doing the right thing. That's don't good. take a baby bird and a mother bird at the same time. What does Jesus say? Doesn't God care for the birds of the field? This is oh. like not one swallow fall yeah. from the ground that he knows it. Like, like all, so as I was reading like these laws, like over and over again, like all of this is all throughout Jesus' life and ministry, maybe not as a, a direct fulfillment, but in the background or like the certificate of divorce. Jesus literally has a conversation yes. about this with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Doesn't Moses allow us to divorce? And he says, you don't understand the law. The yeah. whole intention was for one man and one woman to be together. <laughs> like, right. 
He yeah. rebukes them for it. Like, and even the background of the Sadducees' fake question about who will be married in the resurrection. You know, he's like, okay, so yes. say say that this this woman is married to a man and he dies, and so she marries another man and he dies. She marries another man and he dies. Marries another man and he dies. Yes. Seven times over, or however many it is. Who will she be married to in, in in the resurrection? I was like, that sounds eerily familiar to one of the the section of laws here in twenty two to twenty five, yes. where it's like, if a woman's married to a man and he dies, and marries another man and he dies, how can she be redeemed and who? How can she be cared for? And I'm like, I think they're just like pulling from that background. Yes. To build another case, but for the resurrection. Anyway, I, I yeah, you go see ahead. my point. There's even one I more. Do. There's one other one that I thought was really funny, um, like this ironic one. There's a section that's like, if you make money as a prostitute, you can't go give that money back to the temple. Like, if you gain money by dishonest means, uh-huh. you can't use that, or like uh, yeah. illicit means. You can't right. use that to like build God's temple or yep. like build His kingdom. Um, so it's fascinating. Is what does Judas do? Yep. He receives money for betraying Jesus and then tries to give it back, give it back. To, to them. And what do they say? We can't take it because it was gained by dishonest means, <laughs> but like they gave it to him. It's so anyway, yeah. like the point is like all these laws are the context in which Jesus is the conflict Jesus has with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And every time it proves Jesus's righteousness and his rightness and his goodness and the evilness of those who twist and misconstrue the law to their own ends mm-hmm. so i don't know if that's like a classic jesus like turn that we normally yeah. do on here but i think it's important to note like all these laws like you can't make sense of the new testament without or the, the gospels without knowing that these laws govern the society in which jesus becomes messiah yeah yeah i think i think it is a really important thing just to note uh, for another reason why you should be reading this section and why you should care about it is because like this is the background of Jesus's ministry. Like you're not going to understand a lot of the passages that we read about in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John without Deuteronomy 22 to 25. Like you just need those as a background. But then I do think it is a really interesting way to talk about Jesus being the fulfillment of the law that in Jesus, when we see him doing things that we kind of, that even like non-Christians admire him for like oh that was cool like what a yeah, baller yeah. move you know like jesus like totally owned them you know like yeah just like when he's doing these things what what's he actually doing he's not just being some rebel or revolutionary or you know or zealot he's just obeying the law yes like, and obeying the law as god intended it yes he's obeying so like, the heart and the purpose of the law like so the gleaning thing like he's allowed to go and take like a couple heads of grain a few grapes off the vine and eat those the Pharisees came along and added rules on top of it. Mm-hmm. So you couldn't do it on the Sabbath, couldn't do it in this way, couldn't do this way. And what does Jesus do to rebuke them? He just obeys he just the obeys. law. Yeah, it's an interesting <laughs> way to talk about how there's freedom in the law. Oh, right. I thought about that. Yeah. yeah, where it's like there's freedom here in the law. Like you, you even mentioned it in the intro, how we, how like... Um, it's like Moses doesn't get into the minutia of it all. He doesn't get, he doesn't explain how to do absolutely everything. And that's probably to provide some wiggle room and some freedom, you know, to like, yeah, glean on the Sabbath. It's, it's cool, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so it's when we come along with all these man-made rules and, and traditions, which Jesus hated and try to say, that's God's law. And that's yeah. when, that's when God's like, no. So inter- that's a really interesting way to talk about how Jesus fills the law. Okay. So justice laws, we've, we've, we've picked out a ton of them. Um, you know, overarching, there's like provision for the poor. There's laws about provision for the poor. Like you mentioned one about not returning the escaped slave. Yeah. There's about like if, if, if someone uh, borrows from you, don't charge them interest. Um, you know, there was this whole idea of when, when someone, um, is, is, a, is one of your loaners and they've borrowed money from you, they would give you a pledge collateral basically. Yeah. And for a poor person, their collateral was usually like the tent they slept in or their cloak or something yeah. they needed day to day. And it says, don't keep their pledge, their collateral overnight. Make sure you give the cloak that they gave to you as collateral back to them so they don't get cold at night. And then you can take it back in the morning when it's warm, right. but like, just be a nice dude you know yeah. like and so like there's all don't these rules <laughs> don't be a punk so there's all these rules that are providing for the poor gleanings is one of them like we talked about and so i, I just think it would be interesting for us to have a conversation about like why are is there so many laws why are there so many laws about providing for the poor the sojourner the widow the orphan here in these miscellaneous miscellaneous texts and laws 
why are they here at all? Yeah. Oh gosh. I mean, uh, the I top mean, level we 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 know throughout the Old Testament, God cares for the orphan, the widow, the poor, the yeah. oppressed, the outcast. Israel was poor, oppressed, slaved. You know, like right. Even if you like break down the law into like its two parts: love God and love your neighbor. Mm-hmm. The neighbor you're most likely to forget, to or love. you're least likely to love, are those yeah. that are poor and orphaned and widowed, or that's right, marginalized in some sense. So like God is making sure, like by having these laws here, that you don't forget that all these people are also your neighbors. The foreigner mm-hmm. is also your neighbor, which is also another thing that Jesus picks up on multiple times with the Samaritan yes. person. Like, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, and so I think it's just really amazing to remember like a few things as we think about laws about justice and laws about providing for the poor. It's that like a lot of times in this text, you'll hear him refer to Israel's old state in Egypt. It's like, don't forget, mm-hmm. you were enslaved in Egypt. You were sojourners yeah. through the wilderness. Like, you've been there. Don't forget what that feels like. Make sure you love people, you know, and yeah. care for care for the outcast. So he wants them to mm-hmm. repeat the story of grace that has happened to them to other people through their actions. And I'm like, that's what Jesus calls us to do, right? Like we've had great grace shown to us. We've been so greatly loved. Therefore go love, you know, like, I'm thinking like what Paul says, like, uh, he like kind of lists all these sins, like murderers, slanderers, homosexuals, whatever, you know, he says, and such were some of you. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And he's asking them to remember their former life of sin and then reflect on how God has saved them. Yeah. So I'm like, I, I don't know if I normally think about like how the fact that God has saved me from like legalism or mm-hmm. from like whatever my like pride or whatever it is, how this should actually make me more compassionate towards people who suffered and struggled the same way that I did. That's right. Right? Does that make sense? Yes, like, it absolutely does. I think that we do that intuitively. Like if we struggle with sexual sin, we have a lot more grace and mercy towards those people who have struggled with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it comes to like making laws for society or even engaging in public discourse about like politics or whatever else, I wonder how instructive it would be for like, if we're going to make laws about orphans, the only, what it, I mean, this is ridiculous, but like, what if the only people who can make those laws were orphans Uh who had been adopted? Like, you know what I, like, what would it look like to always inhabit the role of somebody who had sinned like that and needed mercy and grace to get to where they Mm -hmm. are right now? Mm -hmm. Like, I wonder what a, like, what would a society look where all the laws about homosexuality were people who had experienced that and then experienced freedom by God? Yeah. In that same place. Like, you wow. know what I mean? Like, to- what would totally. it, like, yeah. And I think that's supposed to be the Christian experience is like, we are supposed to reflect on how we were slaves to sin, like enslaved by it. Like we were, we were just given to its passions and lusts. As Paul says, like we were depraved in our minds. We were enemies of God. And so now when Christians meet these kinds of people, you know, what's their reaction? They judge them. They, they're like, how could they do that? Like, oh, right. that, man, they, that was so messed up that they acted that way. Or like, oh, gross, that's so wicked. And it's like, such were some of you. Such like, were some of you. And, and yeah. so, so when we see sin, we should be led to compassion. And, and like, they need Jesus. Like, I need yeah. to love this person as Christ loved me when I was in that same condition. Right. And, and so we need to reflect on our former state of, of enslavement to sin as God was instructing Israel to do so. And that will cause us to love the yeah. physically poor, you know, more, yeah. the the outcasted, but also those who struggle with sin and alcoholism, homosexuality, yeah. things like that we've talked about. Like, yeah, we should... Your ethics yeah. aren't defined, like, as someone who has experienced the thing you're legislating against or, mm-hmm. like, arguing against. You're actually living a sub-Christian and right. sub-godly life. Like, yeah. God intends for us, for the law, to always rehearse our freedom from slavery from yes, it. Yes, that's and right. to always have that in the back of his mind. And I think a lot, I think, I mean, you could probably, if we want to diagnose the, the problem with, like, Christian nationalism, mm. it's that a lot of times it doesn't do that. It does not assume that we are like the people we're legislating against. Like, we're right. not talking to people as if we could have been and are them at the same time. Mm. So like, I wonder what it would, like, just, I'm just like, man, the humility necessary to actually build laws like this everywhere yeah. is, 
I've never seen before. No, no. Because it, 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 yeah, it's only sustainable by from people who have been so impacted by the gospel of Jesus, you know, right. that, that they could actually start And it also gives me new categories, too, for, like, the harsh laws, the more harsh laws. Like, think about it this way. Think about, like... Um, Stone the adulterer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, which is like, which is part of these, part of some of the purity laws. Yeah. Like, um, w- uh, there's um, a category for me in, in all this that, like, if I'm an adulterer and I have been an adulterer, I need extreme, uh, like, incentives not to do that thing. Like, mm. I know my heart is always bent towards sin. I know that I'm always prone to doing the wrong thing. And unless I have like strong disincentives, I'm going to go towards that direction. Does that make sense? Uh huh. Yep. 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 So like, I'm I'm prone to be, I'm prone to sexual sin. And the fact that if I'm, if I commit that sin, I'll be stoned is a strong incentive not to commit that sin. Right. And it's not done out of cruelty and out of like a puritanical desire for some like spotless place. It's actually like, I could have been you and I'm putting this law here. So I, so no, less people are like me, like so that our society. Does that? I see. Like, yeah, I see what you I'm mean. I'm trying to like reverse the way that feels because it feels yeah. puritanical, it yeah, feels right. zealous, it, pu- right. it feels like authoritarian and oppressive. Yeah. But like, what if that's actually a position of humility? It definitely, like, it, it it definitely, yeah, can. I think it should be viewed that way, and viewed in the way that the purity laws try to address it. That which yeah. we'll get to in the next section about purging evil from your midst but yeah. i was thinking about some like bylaws we had to write for our church at one point in time and they were like against nepotism mm-hmm. uh so like preferring like your related spouses in like a boardroom setting yeah and we imagined a time in the future where we would have sons or cousins on the board of the church mm-hmm. or as elders and how we as leaders might be inclined to accept their position or their opinion more readily than anybody else's. So we, knowing our sinful hearts towards nepotism, wanted to make laws within our bylaws to prevent that from happening. And I thought that was like really, I think that's another way, like a a wise way of like thinking about the law too. Like we could be like this, so let's make Mm. laws so that we are not like this. Yeah, let me me repeat that back. I think I know what you're saying is another way to read, as we read some of these laws, another way to think about them is what is this law trying to prohibit that is definitely in my heart right now? Yes. Like when I see a lost wallet on the side of the street, my first inclination is free money, (laughs) you know, not, Oh no, that poor person, you know, like, so how do I examine that in my heart? Repent, be aware of it. Same thing with any other law. Is that, is that kind of what you're saying? Like if the law is here, God is saying, I know your heart. I want to help you like, from committing these destructive things that will ruin you and your society and our relationship. So like know that this is here. And that's kind of goes back to what you said about uh, Paul's use of the, of the law saying that it, it, it tells us what sin is. It's like, Hey, this is in your heart. It's like a, the, the, these various laws are like, you know, fingers that just come and point at you and and say, you do this, you do this, you're like this, you're like this. And we're like, Oh yeah, I am. Now maybe I wouldn't manifest it in that specific way, but there is a sin behind that, that I'm definitely, prone right. to is that yes. what you're talking about okay That's exactly right so i think what we could talk about then in a really general way is we as human beings are prone to injustice yes. we are prone to oppress others for our own benefit we are prone to push others down and lift ourselves up right like yes. and that is what god hates like he hates that and we and, and the reason why he hates it is yes it is wrong like in and of itself, but this is this is that old uh, what is this the euthyphro dilemma? I think is what oh, it's called. Yes, yes, yes. Is where it's good. Yes. Yeah. Is something Euthyphro. good because God said it, um, or, or did God say it because it's good, or did God say it because it's good? Yeah. Right. And so this is that idea is like yes, it's bad. Like, but it's also bad because God does not operate that way. He does not push others down to lift himself up. Like that's not how his mm. justice works. Right. Like, like, in fact, we yes, see that yes, most clearly yes. in Jesus, right? This most high, laws, yeah. Like a lot of time laws are built, are made by the oppressor. Right. Made by the most powerful. Yep. And the way that God continually tells Israel to build their laws is not by assuming a position of power, but by remembering their moments of weakness. Mm-hmm. Remember that you were once slaves. 
remember that you used to be like this. Yeah. Remember that you were adulterers right. and build laws that you would want <laughs> done yeah, for you. Definitely. He's actually like, I, th- I forget his name. I think his name is like, um, I want to say it's Rawls. He's like a modern philo- moral philosopher. And he actually uh-huh. talks about that's actually one of the better ways. Like he's trying to build a morality without God, but he says like the best way to build a morality is by putting a whole bunch of people in a room and assigning them roles like oh, engineer, poor yeah. person, uh, foreigner, uh, marginalized group, uh, yeah. CEO, and then build laws not knowing which one of those people you'd become in right. the next society. Yes, yes, yes. It's like that's actually a lot of biblical truth there. Anyway, let's just think about that. Yeah, and so it's just like I, th- I think we can just see that we are prone to push people's da- push people down to lift ourselves up, uh, and so like how if we're going to close this section off and kind of go, how do we see Jesus in the justice laws? It's that Jesus one fulfills all justice perfectly. He always finds a way to provide for the most marginalized, the most poor, the most disenfranchised, the most oppressed. He cares for his the entire neighborhood of his planet Earth like yeah. no one else, right? Not only in like material ways, like he makes it rain, you know, so we can have food and he, he keeps cares the sun not shining. not for people, but for sparrows. Yes, like, exactly. Yes. Uh, and like he, anyway, but he also does this uh, in, in the most extreme way by not being this kind king who does kind things for those below him. So he's a kind ruler who shows mercy and grace, yes. you know, but also uh, whenever someone lies in court, or whenever someone tries to defraud a widow, or when someone does something evil, he's also a good judge who does correct that and wants yeah. to get evil out of the city. Let's get evil yeah. out of here. Let's make this yeah. good. So he does those things as a king. Rapists do not deserve to live in That's God's right. kingdom. That's right. Yep. Get him out. Yes. Get them out. But then the other thing that happens is that king also becomes poor and needy and ends up taking all, all of these penalties for breaking social justice Yes. You know, on himself. And like, so he, he's able then, to fulfill justice, but also absorb justice at, at the yes. same time on the cross. He makes laws now, not just as an all-powerful king who's never experienced suffering, mm-hmm. marginalization, or temptation, but as a king who knows what those things are intimately. He remembers the time that he was a slave to his body mm-hmm. and then now makes laws for our good um, as he rules in heaven. Okay, so we've we've talked about all the miscellaneous laws. We've talked about this overarching category of justice laws with, you know, care for the poor, care for neighbor, social justice, taking care of the earth, all those things in it. And then as you're reading, some of those kind of make sense, I think, as you're reading. Yeah. Those are the ones that I'm kind of like, cool, I'm glad that was there. You know, like the justice ones, I'm kind of like, I'm glad God cares for the orphan. And like, I'm yes. glad he wants me to treat my neighbor right. Like those to me, when I read this section, aren't the, the ones that throw me for a loop. <laughs> <laughs> it's the it's other the category laws. of the yeah. purity laws that kind of feel like out of place. Um, now, maybe the most not out of place are the ones relating to marriage and sex, you know, which could easily blend into the justice laws, right? Like treat your neighbor well. And that includes your wife. And it includes the virgin who lives next door. It includes the woman you meet on the side of the road, yeah. you know, who you could have exploited in your lust, but you shouldn't. Like, yeah. so it could definitely blend into the justice laws. I put it in the purity laws just because so much of sexuality, marriage, what we do with our bodies ends up making us clean or unclean and yeah. uh, making the land pure or unpure that I, I thought we should include yeah, it in the purity the laws. Phrase, like purge the evil from your midst is found, your, is found yeah. all throughout the marriage and sex laws as well that's as right. like the, the ritual going to the yeah. temple laws as well. Right. Yeah. And so, and, and maybe that's a really good moment to just remind everyone that these are imposed categories that we made up. These yes. aren't biblical categories that you should, you know, preach or you know you can if it's helpful right. but these aren't like <laughs> these aren't we're trying like to, to talk native. about 45 laws in 40 minutes yeah totally <laughs> so uh so there's so in these in these purity laws the the three categories that i kind of broke them down into were marriage and sex wholeness mm-hmm. and purity um and yeah. so yeah so Let's, yeah go uh, yeah go ahead laws like yeah yeah like, sure 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 so sure. you kind of mentioned four so, like, a woman is not to wear man's clothes. Yep. Uh, you're not supposed to plant two di- different types of seed in a field. 
Yep. You're not supposed to plow a field with an ox and a donkey. Only ox or only donkey. Mm-hmm. And you can't wear clothes that do t- two different types of fabric. Right. I think some of these are like some of the most famous laws in the Old Testament. Yeah. Because they always get used like, hey, you say this is wrong, but the Bible also says you can't wear polyester tri-blends. Like you can't right. wear tri-blend shirts. Like, so like I feel like it's it's famous only for that reason. So right. I'd love to like actually talk about why that actually makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so it goes back to like what we talked about way back in Leviticus podcasts. Uh, go back to Genesis, but okay. Uh, we definitely can. But yeah. uh, what I was going to do was talk about just because it's in this purity context here. Yeah. Is what's happening is God is using visual illustrations for uh, like, like to make theological points. So he's using physical things to make theological points. And so one of those, and it blends in with some of these other purity laws are like if someone's excuse me like close your kids ears maybe i don't know (laughs) but if someone's testicles are crushed you know then they are not there to be excluded from the assembly the same thing is talked about in leviticus um that if a priest has that affliction they can't minister in the tabernacle because they're incomplete they're not whole they're not Hmm. perfect and so the i so this idea of blending things of two types of cloth, an ox and a donkey, two kinds of seed, a woman wearing man's clothes or a man's wearing woman's clothes. These are blending things that aren't meant to be blend. Uh, it's taking something pure and introducing something foreign to it, which makes it impure. Because that's really all purity is. Purity is something whole and unique. It's one thing. And introducing something else into it makes it multiple things and so this is a this is a visual representation of how israel is to keep themselves pure they're not to intermarry with other cultures right they're not to worship other gods they're not you know like all these other things are represented in the wholeness that is in their field and in their in their clothes it's meant to be a reminder to them every day that they are set apart to be whole unique and only for god and that idea of like singleness or u- uniformity, it uniformity. goes back to like um, Genesis, where God says the trees shall produce after their own kind, mm-hmm. the animals should produce after their own kind, men and women are supposed to produce after their own kind. Like there's right. this like there's this God has instituted like some sort of like created order, order yeah. where like things produce like things. Yes, and so. I think like the two kinds of seed in plow with a don't only plow with an ox or a donkey, not an ox and a donkey on those ones. I think it's like less moral and more like, yeah, I don't think any of these are moral. I don't think any of these are moral. It's, it's worshipful. It's like our God is a God who's ordered the world. Yep. And it's not wrong to plant barley and wheat in the same field. Right. But I can, by planting my field, one field with barley and the other field with wheat, actually communicate something about the way that God created the world. Right. God created the world for things to produce like things. Mm-hmm. And I am going to do that all the time. Right. Um, and I want that to show in the way I plant my field and the clothes that I wear. Right. Um, in, the, in the way that I plow my field. God made me and our world in a certain way, and I want to honor him by yep. doing that. Yeah, so that leans into the order um, explanation yeah. for wholeness, these wholeness commands, which I think is also equally valid. Um, I really like the, the the blended versus non-blended, pure versus impure kind of yeah. ritual category, since that seems to be the context. I, I tend to favor that one over the, um, the order one. Um, right. But some people I've read said that in all the midst of this disorder, we mm-hmm. find order commands to show that even in the chaos of life, yeah. God is giving us these order commands to show that there is um, uh, some kind of systematic thing still happening and in all the swirliness. What, what you just said, systematic thing happening. I think, remember this whole section, like we're imposing these categories a little bit here, yeah. it's not, but they're not mutually exclusive either. Is there an element of order to these commands? Yes. Obviously. Yeah. Is there an element of purity to these commands? Yes. And what you're supposed to do when you come to these laws is not just read them. You're supposed to meditate on them. Mm-hmm. So like, I hope what we're training you to do when you go and read this for yourself is to think about the two different kinds of seed and the plowing with an ox or a donkey, not an ox and a donkey, and think, okay, what could that mean? Mm-hmm. Why would God command this? Why does this make sense for God to command? And we say, well, God created the, the universe with order. Galaxies move in motion. 
there are regular laws of the universe trees produce apple trees produce other apple trees cows produce other cows so it makes sense that you would plant a field that would produce another field of the same thing right that makes total sense yeah also god is a god of oneness and purity and it makes sense that to show the purity of god and the purity of our people would express itself everywhere so it is wholeness it is order it is purity the idea here isn't to have one monolithic answer especially in a section that's so seemingly disjointed yeah but like it's to meditate on the law and then make principles and applications for new cultures and new Mm -hmm. times so like yeah it's well and i i I, i'd want to push back a little bit on that last thing you said okay uh, especially when we're talking about the purity laws um and so it's like i don't i don't know if the right thing for us to do is to always say what is the principle underneath this law that is true for all people at all times okay I don't think I, I think the first question we should ask is what is the principle underneath this law that was true for Israel in her time in her covenant? Okay. Because I think the most important thing that's happening that we need to that we need to know is like these laws are all part of the covenant that God and Israel made together. Like they are forming a people and a nation and a land and a political system and all these things together with Yahweh. And this is a covenant that they're making with him, an agreement. And so, for instance, especially when it comes to things like the two seeds or the the, the ox and the donkey, like I think the most important thing for us to see is kind of like what we saw in the food laws about clean and unclean foods. That mm-hmm. that was the the reason why people should eat these foods and not those foods wasn't because God was trying to be some kind of um, helpful menu selector where He yeah. knew that pigs were un, were actually bad for you and so you should right, eat, right, right. you should eat crickets instead. You know, it's like yeah. He was trying to do something theological there to say like I'm choosing these animals just like I chose you, Israel. You are clean to me. Everything else I didn't choose is unclean to me, like the Canaanites and the Moabites. So I think the same thing is happening here, where he's like, I am creating you as a pure, unified people. Don't intermarry. Don't intermix. So in in like fashion, only wear wool cloth or linen cloth. Don't mix them together. Don't put two seeds together because... Like you are a single unified whole that's not supposed to be interpolluted with other cultures and other gods and intermarrying with them. I, I just think all that's really right. important. Um, yeah, yeah. And so it's a theological point first that and I think what we should, we should realize is, oh, God's making a unified family. That yes. should be the theological thing we pull out of this and go, oh, he's still doing that today in Jesus that we are one in Christ. And like, yes. no matter where we come from, whatever background we come from, when we come into Christ, we're one with him. And like, we don't want to, and we don't want to pollute that. We don't say that Jesus is one God among many. Like we don't, in, we don't, we don't bring in foreign um, ideas to Christianity. Like oh, I'll take a little bit of Islam and a little bit of Judaism and a little bit of yeah. Buddhism. Like we don't do that. We, we, we right. are whole cloth people like yes. devoted to Jesus. So I think, to, to me, I would I would say the proper way to do exegesis on these texts is, especially with some of these purity, wholeness commands, is to say, what's the theological point first in its original context, and then apply that to us today? Not to be like, you know, like maybe we sh- really should, because people have used the two seeds thing to like say, like, we shouldn't make, you know, um, hybrid seeds, you know, that can oh. grow can grow year yeah. round you know yeah i'm just yeah. saying like you could yeah. you could end up making some right. really interesting like you right know, the assum- point assumptions. here is that god has made laws for a particular people at a particular time to make a particular point yeah that particular point is still being made today yes god, i i called it a principle but maybe like the, that particular point like god wants one unified holy people mm-hmm and the way that looks today is profoundly different than it was several thousand years ago in Israel. Yeah. It's not so much about hybrid GMO seeds. Right. And it's not about using a tractor and uh, a combine or a combine or a tractor. Yeah. It's about having a people who have ordered their life around God's law. Yeah and his desire for the world and for themselves. Mm-hmm. And people who love God's law, who delight in his commands and what he's building in them 
will be the type of people that are described here. So it gets a little confusing yeah. for me there because it's like, okay, then what is he, what is he actually commanding? Yeah. Well, like, I mean, just unity, like with two kinds of seed or one kind of seed. Like, it's more than that. There's a specific moral element to it. Like there are actual commands that cause us, that me means we need to change our behavior. Like, I, I think that there are moral commands and there are, um, purity commands or, you know, cultic commands, you know, I, 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 and I think that breaking, so I think this is the distinction I would try to make is that is, is the idea of putting two seeds in one field, a wicked thing? No, no. I don't think that's a moral thing that God did is the fact that when God says that you must do this Israel in their time and in their place and under that covenant if Israel broke that command, would that yes. be an immoral thing to do? Yes. Yes. So I, 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 now I think, I think what gets difficult for us as we try to, and this is where it gets just every, everything gets difficult is we're like, well then is rape bad all the time in all places in all ways, you know, like, yes. Yes, and, yes, and yes. yeah. And so I think what, what is helpful is to understand that there are moral commands in here, but right. there are also, um, cultic, religious, like, you know, ritualistic commands as well. Yeah. And they're smashed up next to each other. And yeah. that's what makes this so disjointing. But here's what I, I want to point out to us. Uh, like a reason, another reason, if I was going to think not just in Deuteronomy, but if I was going to think canonically across the whole Old Testament, like why are these smashed together? Why do you have justice laws about how to treat your neighbor and how to treat women and how to treat the poor smashed up against like, who can be included in the assembly and what kinds of seeds to use and wholeness commands. Yeah. Like why are these ritual commands shoved up against just wrong things that need to be acted justly towards, you know? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I think this is the reason. When you go forward in Israel's history, what we see is they try to divorce those two. They try to, they try to take and keep the purity commands, but right. refuse to do the justice commands. So they keep offering right sacrifices and they yeah, keep yeah, having yeah. whole priests and they wear the right kind of garments and they, yeah, they, yeah, yeah. they don't put two kinds of seed in their fields, but they mistreat the orphan and the widow and they defraud people and they charge it interest and they use weights incorrectly. And they, yeah. and so God says, I don't care about the mm. purity laws you keep until you also keep the justice laws. So yes. do right and sacrifice to me correctly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, it, you know, as we read Isaiah, Jeremiah, Amos, um, you know, we see these things divorce and this section about miscellaneous laws shoves them together mm. because they show that right yeah. relationship with God is inseparable from right relationship with neighbor. Yes. And, and love what God, is love Jesus neighbor. always butting up against with the Pharisees and the Sadducees? They're keeping the moral, the purity laws. The purity law. Perfectly. Yep, like exactly. More than perfectly, but they've yes. neglected love of father, love of mother, love of mm -hmm. neighbor, love of orphan, love of like injured, love of... Ill, yeah, he says you, like, you, you tithe down to the dill. Like, you, you give a tenth yeah. of even your spices, but you've neglected the weightier things, namely the care of orphans and widows. Like, what's wrong with you? Fascinating. You and, and he says, and what he says is, you should have done the former without neglecting the latter. I'm not saying stop doing the purity law things. I'm just saying you need to do both. And that's why right. they're shoved together here, I think. Mm. So, anyway. And isn't that what Jesus does for us on the cross? Like he yeah. fulfills all the justice that needed to be done, but he do, he does it in a ritualistic way. He does it in the context and with the definitions of purity culture. He was the perfect whole spotless lamb that was given for us that makes us able to be a part of the assembly, cleans us up, fulfills all, he fulfills all the justice and all the purity laws at right. once. He is the perfect yes. blending of the two, both in keeping and in fulfilling. Like it's, it's beautiful. Like it what, how he's able to do that. So anyway, um, with the two kinds of th seeds thing, I think I, I found a way to think about it. Like what's the okay. point that the law is making? What is the point that two seeds law is making? It's making a point that how you earn your living, how you feed your family should be patterned off of God's creative order and mm -hmm. God's pure purity and wholeness. And so like what, is, so I think as we think about our careers, or the way that we make our living, those two should be done with an eye to, is this a godly way to live, make a living? Is this an impure way to make a living? Is mm. this a disordered way to make a living? And what does Jesus say? You can't serve God and money. Right. You actually can't sow two different kinds of crops in mm. the same field. Yeah, you right. You can't, like, you cannot. 
yeah, live that way. That's right. In you the field of your life choice. or in the field of your heart, you can't yes. have God and money grow up in the same field. You just can't do it. You have uh, to choose. Yeah. I wonder if that gives background also to the, the the parable about the weeds and the wheat. I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, that's so funny because like, like God comes and sows good seed, and then a neighbor comes in and sows bad seed, and not only is that like mean, but it's also breaking the law. It's just interesting. Right. Like this is what happens when you read the Torah. It just adds layers to the rest we, of the Bible as you read. You've it. said multiple times like we read our New Testament or the Gospels far differently now yes. that we've spent so much time in the Torah. I think like I think you're right. Like two kinds of seeds. There's a field with two different kinds of seeds in it. And what yeah. does God do? He separates the, the true seed mm-hmm. from the false seed to make one new people. Yes. He's doing the, the same thing people. that is what's intended right here. Wow. Even when we try to make a mixed cloth blend, God is able to pull the threads apart and make one unified cloth people at the end. That's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, well, we could go on and on and on. I, I, I know we zoomed through four chapters with really broad categories, but I hope this has been helpful. It's been helpful for me. I'm excited to reread this um, and, and take it in again. Uh, but uh, we are we are slowly, slowly getting toward the end of Deuteronomy, and uh, uh, we've got some more broad categories <laughs> like coming up that aren't yeah. just laws. We're about out of the law section, so yep. rejoice and be glad. But also go back and taste the sweet honey of the law. Yeah, I'm yeah. excited for whatever. What's next after Deuteronomy? Oh, you and I have to decide. I think we. I think you and I might do Esther. Oh, that will be fun. Yeah, I'm excited to do something that's not the Pentateuch. I've loved yeah, the Pentateuch. I have I'm too. Like, yeah. Let's do a narrative. Let's do. Yeah. Something else. So like, I think I think Esther will be fun to do next. So yeah. Anyway, all right, guys. Well, it's been a blast hanging with you for a little bit. Thank you for listening, and we will see you guys next week. Thank you for listening to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Spoken Gospel is a nonprofit that gives all its resources like this podcast away for free because of supporters like you. To help Spoken Gospel in our mission to speak the gospel out of every corner of scripture and view all our free resources, visit SpokenGospel.com.